So Luca is averaging 27 and 5 right now as a rookie. How many, like guess how many other players have done that? As a rookie, 20 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. Yeah, as a rookie. I'm going to say 2. Any guess on who those two might be? Um, give me Oscar Robinson. Okay. That's that's correct. That's it. There's no second player. Oh, there's only one. There's only one. He is the second one. There he you is go. the second one. Go me. That was pretty good. That was good. You nailed it, too. You're like Oscar Robinson right away. That was really good. I was going to go <laughs> with like a Wilt or a Kareem, but I was like, the Yeah, si- everyone's like, oh, calm, calm down. Like, he's just a rookie. <laughs> no, shut the fuck up. Like, literally no one has done this before. Just have one guy. <laughs> he's one, one other person in the world has ever done this. Yeah, for real. Like at and, the, uh, at and the end Robertson of the, was playing forty three minutes a game. Yeah. At the end of the show, when I haphazardly like compared Luka Doncic to LeBron, at first I was like, I shouldn't do this, but then I was like, wait a minute, I should do this. He's doing yeah. that good. He's doing that freaking good. Yeah. Let's see. What was LeBron his first year? And also, it's also like LeBron. LeBron his rookie season was twenty points, twenty one points, five rebounds, six assists. LeBron. So, oh, sorry. It was like pr- pretty much the same. Also, though, LeBron was more like physically imposing, all, like, like jaw dropping, like making you go, like, right. oh my goodness, like that was insane. Where Luke is yeah. like, wow, like what did he just, that step back? Oh, he's, he's got like that? a wizard. Yeah, he's like, like step back and then the floater like, he's and moving, then the teardrop. He's moving so slow. And one? What? I feel like I need Dude. Spice Adams on here. Like, yeah. what? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? What is this DJ doing, man? No. Oh, wait, he took the bass out? Oh, man. I can't stand the rain. Wait, what? What? What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Sports Blog New York podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Joining me today, my co-host extraordinaire from the NBA Outsiders is John Lucas Duffy. But before we get to my man Duff, I just want to remind you guys that this podcast is on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud. But if you are listening to me speak right now, you probably know that already. What you may not know is that our partners at Team Left Jab Radio have been putting this podcast on for a couple months now. We've picked up some good listeners from them. So if you don't know what they are all about, look up Team Left Jab Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio, on Stitcher, on iTunes Podcast, all that stuff. And you can find some of their content, which is boxing, UFC, uh, some general sports stuff. They were looking for some more general sports stuff, some New York sports stuff, and that's why they reached out to us. And that's what we're looking to do here. Now, obviously, today, we had some very interesting news early on a Monday morning. And I say today because Duff and I are recording on a Monday night. You're probably listening to this on Tuesday, Wednesday, or whatever. Uh, but Duff, we know Super Bowl week can be interesting and all. You get a bunch of uh, former and current athletes coming out of the woodworks to sell whatever product they're working with. In my opinion, it's not the best radio week, right? If you're, if you're not a big sports radio guy, maybe you come in, you hear some cool stories, you have fun with it. But if you're a real radio or sports TV junkie, uh, like I consider myself, this is not the most interesting week. You're repeating the same things about the Super Bowl for two weeks in a row. It's really annoying. But the sports gods gifted us a beautiful thing on a Monday morning, bright and early, 
And that was some NBA news. So, Duff, what was your gut reaction to this incredible news that none of us saw coming about Marquise Chris requesting a trade today? Honestly, I thought it was a joke. I, I coun't believe that uh, Daryl Morley, Daryl Morey, excuse me, Watch would yourself. yeah would would not be able to keep a star player happy like that. It, it, it was honestly shocking. <laughs> when I saw in the midst of the Anthony Davis uh, trade saga, which we're obviously here to talk about, that Marquise Chris also requested a trade today. I don't know if that's the best thing that happened to him because no one really noticed what ridiculous of a request that is for someone like Marquise Chris to ask for a trade. Like, I don't know if that helped him or hurt him because nobody realized it happened, but nonetheless, uh, Anthony Davis, one of the top five, top three, however you skin it, top three players in the NBA made it official. Something that we all expected, something that new Orleans has probably feared for a long time now that he will not sign the extension in new Orleans with the Pelicans. And he is looking to be traded. He put it on wax. Now, were you shocked? What was your gut reaction? What did you feel about the Lakers, the Celtics, and all the other teams that jumped in? Just give me what ran through your mind when you first learned of uh, this news here. Uh, I was not surprised. I don't know that anyone would have been. I was happy, though. I was happy that finally, okay, we're getting some movement on this. Someone stepped up and said that they were going to do something about it. Because for the longest time, like in – in terms of the NBA, this was the largest elephant in the collective room that is the NBA. This is the main story all all season long, in my eyes, because anytime you get a top three, top five player like you're talking about, that's basically demanding a trade at this point. Like that's that's huge blockbuster news. Doesn't matter what league it is, right? So now we got to play this game where everyone's you know you wake up or. You see it, you get a notification on your phone, now you're sitting at your desk, at your computer, and you're on NBA Trade Machine, you got three tabs open, you're like, okay, what if the Lakers get them? Okay, now what about the Celtics, the Sixers? What about the Knicks? Okay, just for fun, let's do the Nets. Like, all right, just for, like, let's just get wacky. All right, maybe the Bulls. Why not the Bulls? You know, and you're just doing, you're like, all right. So it turns out 15 teams are in the races here for Anthony Davis, and you're just sitting there doing that all day, making yourself crazy. But if you really reel it in, you reel it in, just, you know, take a step back, deep breath. It's really going to come down to one of four teams that are going to be looking to get Anthony Davis, not, not just get him, but have an opportunity to keep him and keep him happy and put him in a winning situation in a big market. You're looking at the Lakers, you're looking at the Celtics, you're looking at the Sixers, and you're looking at the Knicks. Okay, and you're saying, wait, the Knicks, the tanking, yeah. how could this be? One of those teams is not like the other, Duff. It's, it's really not, but... They're tanking, yes, and it might honestly be better for the Knicks if they wait until the summer, but you know what? The opportunity is here right now, and and you can just kind of get in Del Demps' ear and say, hey, you know, we're, we're in line. We, we have just as good a chance as anyone to get that number one pick. So if you, you know, hang tight until July, you know, maybe we get Porzingis and Frankie Smokes and Zion, the rights to Zion Williamson. Like, what? Who says no? Um, oh wait, hold on. Are you is that your is that your fake trade? I, th- I thought we weren't going to get to that point yet because I don't know about giving up all no, three of saying, those. I'm assets. just saying, like people pe- people don't think about like the the teams that are tanking and like this is the lens right, you have right, to right. look at it through. Is that yes, we have ten days or whatever it is, eleven days until the trade deadline is is over. But like once you get into the summer, it's a completely different animal. It's just a question of whether the Pelicans are willing to wait this out or if they just want to get this done 
move past it and start their rebuild right now. And of course, once we get to the summer, then the Celtics become a real player because the only way the Celtics can make a trade in the next nine days is if Kyrie Irving gets sent out of Boston, and that's frankly just not that likely. Uh, I mean, obviously anything could happen. Kyrie has been traded out of the blue before. It could happen again, um, but I'm not counting on it. So the Celtics Danny come up, cold-blooded. He is cold-blooded, man. He'll trade your he'll trade your ass tomorrow. He he'll trade care. his mom. He doesn't care who you are, what you've done. You can tra- He'll trade you if it makes his team better, in his opinion. But the Knicks are interesting because, obviously, Woj and Windhorst both brought the Knicks up within the first couple moments of talking about this trade opportunity. The Lakers are at the absolute forefront of our minds because of LeBron, because of L.A., because of Rich Paul and Clutch Sports. So all these things are rushing through the mind, and it becomes a pretty crazy time to see literally one of the best players we can offer in the NBA to be available in the middle of a season, in the middle of his prime. I mean, this guy isn't 30. This guy isn't done with his second big contract. He's done with his first big contract. That's actually not even over yet. He's not even a free agent next year. He's a free agent after next year. So this is truly uncalled for. It's kind of unprecedented, but it's also something that we actually are expecting more of as we move through the NBA, the way these uh, players have gained power, how uh, markets have become a little more fluid, but the big markets still do hold true when it comes to L.A., New York, you know, then the other ones like Boston, Chicago, te- some of the Texas markets, etc. So anyways, what we're going to do here today, John Lucas Duffy and myself, Pete Kennedy, is talk about some of these options. We're going to rank the trade chips from each team and then pit the teams against each other. We're going to try our best to take into consideration salaries to keep you guys up to date with the, the ins and outs of it. Also, timeline. For example, the Celtics become true players after the season. The Lakers obviously would like to get this done as soon as possible. Makes a big difference. So, Duff, I say we start with the Lakers. And before we get into their trade chips and start ranking them, do you have a problem with the uh, you know, tampering word popping into the conversation when it comes to the Lakers, LeBron, Magic, Rich Paul, all that stuff? Does that bother you at all, or do you think it's part of it? Uh, it doesn't bother me as much, honestly. I, I I feel like it's kind of part of it. Everyone kind of knew the Lakers have their hand in everything. Magic is just the type of guy. Like, but also, I feel like they kind of have the target on their back. Where if 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 Magic is smiles at someone, all the other GMs start whining and complaining. Like, hey, they're tampering. It's like, come on, everyone, just calm down a little bit. It's not it's not their fault that you aren't making someone happy or you didn't execute your team's long-term vision to be competitive you know so at a certain point you're kind of yelling at clouds here you got to look in the mirror and say you know what how how did i get in this situation here like if i was doing my job i wouldn't have to worry about everyone else it's like it's like when you're in a relationship and you get super jealous of every guy or girl around you that's looking for your girlfriend or boyfriend and it's like if you're not comfortable with yourself if you didn't feel you that that, you're kind of projecting you know you maybe you didn't do everything you were supposed to do that's That's how i see it it's got a lot deeper than i expected there so you're saying that's i don't know am i wrong no it's a really good analogy actually i'm I'm appreciating it i these other gms they want to just do what they can to uh you know find the lakers or maybe make mr silver have to step in and and force this trade not to happen because tampering violations or something like that but realistically, they have to look in the mirror and realize they gave Omer Ashik like a four-year, $100 million contract when he couldn't even play in year one of it. Yep. Uh, yeah, I kind of— dead money immediately. I he's, like the, he's like the middle—he's like the mid-level Chandler Parsons. Oh, God. He's a, 
he's a poor man's forty year old Chandler Parsons, like two years into his career, unfortunately for Omir Ashik. For a couple of years though, man, guy got boards and that's about it. Um but I, I kinda agree with you with that. I mean the Pelicans are coming up on what? Is this his seventh year? Is this his seventh season, right? I, I think it's his sixth or seventh season in the NBA. They made the playoffs one time or two, uh, two times, Twice. sorry. Two times they won one series. Obviously, the boogie thing could have gone a lot better. The injury really derailed that opportunity. And who knows what conversation we're having right now if boogie doesn't, uh, you know, tear his Achilles. He's still here with New Orleans. Is Anthony Davis accepting that extension? Is he still looking to leave and leave Boogie in the dust? It, it would be a much more interesting, actually maybe not much more interesting, but a much different topic of conversation. Uh, but nonetheless, that's not what happened. So, well, let me let me ask you: Do you think if they if if the Pelicans have retained Boogie Cousins, yeah, where do you where do you think Anthony Davis stands at this point in time? I I still think Anthony Davis would want to leave, and I would also kind of think that if Anthony Davis is going to leave, he would maybe give Boogie that wink, wink, like maybe you should do a one and one. You know, like maybe you should do a one year with a player option. You know, uh, let's keep the Pelicans thinking they have flexibility here, but we're giving ourselves some flexibility here. Goes well this year. They stay, you know, Boogie picks up his player option. Davis is one more year on his contract, then two years they're out. Who, who knows? There's a lot of things that would have and could have happened if Boogie was healthy this whole time and still in the Pelicans. But for sure, I don't think this trade deadline topic comes up right now. If Boogie was still there, I think it's an off-season thing. If Boogie's still there, they they play it out through the playoffs. Yeah, because at this point he would have had a few games to play with AD, and they could have gotten see if they get into a rhythm, whatever. Because because I mean Boogie's looked good, really good since since he first came back. But granted, different team, different situation. You know, it's tough to compare. Absolutely. Um, but anyways, let's talk about the Lakers because they definitely come to the front of the mind when this trade comes up. Obviously, Rich Paul. That whole thing, LeBron. It's been it's been like you said, the biggest elephant in the room, the worst kept secret in the NBA that this is a possibility. So we saw reports, we see tweets from who knows if they're reputable journalists trying to claim that they know everything about this stuff, even though you know the NBA outsiders over here could have told you this was happening a year ago. Nonetheless, people are saying that the likes of Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, all have to be on the table including picks, to bring Anthony Davis. So, Duff, let's start by ranking some of these pieces when it comes to the Lakers because it's very important how you see Kuzma, how you see Ball, how you see Ingram, and who you think the Lakers should work hardest to keep out of this deal. So who do you see as the most valuable trade piece on the Lakers right now? Uh, I see it as a matter of opinion between two guys, and it's that's Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. For me personally... Right now, I would say Brandon Ingram is more valuable than uh, than Lonzo Ball, just for the sake of, you know, he's he's been injured less. Like Lon- Lonzo keeps getting hurt. I just wanted to throw that out there a little bit, a little bit. You know, he's still young, but I just want to say that best ability is availability. Um, but he he's shown that he's comfortable dominating the ball and being the number one guy. He has that mindset to be to to want to be uh, like the star and be the guy. Lonzo has been a little sheepish in how he plays, even though I, I love Lonzo. I know you do too. We're, we're big Lonzo guys. But he, he maybe knows his weaknesses too well and is constantly shying away from them. Like He's good with the ball. He makes good decisions, but he also feels comfortable playing with the ball outside of his hands, and, and, and he doesn't push himself to really 
kind of be that floor general that we that we want him to be. And the other thing is, there are a lot of questions about his jump shot. Rightfully so, his mechanics are just god awful. But he can't even shoot free throws. Like at this point, DeAndre Jordan is like far and beyond a better free throw shooter than Lonzo Ball, who's who's shooting like forty one percent from the foul line. So that might not seem like a huge deal, but someone who's only getting to the line once or twice per game, like literally shooting one or two free throws per game, he's supposed to be your starting point guard for the future. That does not bode well for this league right now where it's all about efficiency and, you know, getting free points at the foul line is, is such a premium. And you see it with James Harden and Joel Embiid and those two guys specifically. So for, for all those reasons, I, I really see Brandon Ingram as being the number one most valuable piece uh, that the Lakers have to offer. That's very interesting because he may, out of the three people who are in the running here, in my opinion, Kuzma, Ball, and Ingram, Ingram's probably had the most disappointing season, if you ask me. like he, Before the season, he was supposed to be the guy who stepped up and put in 17 a game. He was supposed to be the guy who's the number two option to LeBron, who can you know bring the ball up a little bit. And he's proven he can bring the ball up a little bit, for sure. But his scoring just hasn't popped like we hoped it would. He hasn't had over 26 points in a game since high school. That's not a joke. So this guy is looked at as a top-tier scoring uh, potential guy. Is that a real stat? I did not know that. That is a real stat. Like, Lonzo Ball has had higher scoring games than that. And granted, it was because of three-pointers, and it was last year during his rookie year. And uh, he, Against the Suns. He, he got all the shots he needed because LeBron wasn't there yet. Like, all of Lonzo Ball's numbers are down. He's scoring less points, less rebounds, less assists, but his field goal percentage is a little bit up. His defenses look spectacular. He still has a great vision, and that's why I love him so much. And Ingram's actually third on my list in, in this scenario. Um, I think I think people around the league look at Kyle Kuzma as a guy who's more valuable than Brandon Ingram right now. I mean, you know that Kyle Kuzma can score 17 a night for the next 12 years. Like, this guy isn't going to get worse. He might just get less shots in certain situations for sure. But if you're trading for him and giving up Anthony Davis, he's going to get more shots. He's a a guy who's going to score 18. He's not a great rebounder, but he'll get you seven. He can move the ball a little bit. He can switch on defense. I think Kuzma is actually more valuable around the league than Brandon Ingram right now, though Brandon Ingram's ceiling is hypothetically still higher. But in my opinion, I think Lonzo Ball is the most valuable trade chip for the Lakers, whether it be because of his talent, because of his uh, defense and passing, or his potential, or or maybe, honestly, even what he brings to a franchise as far as notoriety. I think all those things come into equation. Lonzo's actually the most valuable guy on the Lakers for me. I could definitely see Lonzo in that Alvin Gentry offense where they're just running at full like. 100 miles an hour constantly, and it's just fast break, fast break, fast break, and he's just throwing dimes to Julius Rand- or Julius Randle, who's like awesome running the floor and attacking the basket, and Miritich spotting up, and between him and Drew Holiday, that would be an awesome backcourt if they retain Holiday, which if they're going to trade Anthony Davis, they're going to move Drew Holiday as well. Like, let's be real. But I could see, I could see Lonzo being a valuable piece in, in that particular system also though we should note uh right when we started recording this podcast again we're recording monday night for a tuesday release sham sharania uh also tweeted though that lonzo ball's camp is interested if ball does get moved to bring in a third team 
So he is not going to New Orleans, and they would prefer him to go to a team without a primary point guard in place already. Now, granted, Lonzo and Drew Holiday both do well playing off the ball, and they can probably find a nice way to share that duty. But uh, I, I don't blame him. I, I think that's a little bit of a hidden statement of, my son Lonzo ain't going to New Orleans. All right, let's find a little bit of a better market for my guy here. It's a yeah, but at bit, least they said it both. in a reasonable way from a basketball perspective. Oh, for sure. Do you do you remember last year? Quick aside, because we got to keep moving. I talk more teams to talk about, more players to talk about. I remember last year about this time, like Levar Ball was a real topic of conversation. What Lonzo did on a nightly basis was a topic of conversation. It's crazy how much a year changes things. Like mm-hmm. that. That's why his numbers are down too. But obviously, LeBron takes so many more shots and possessions away. Like, what does Lonzo look like right now? If LeBron doesn't join the Lakers and he's just the primary point guard, he's probably scoring more points, more rebounds, and more assists. Maybe his efficiency got a little better. We may be looking completely differently at Lonzo right now. But personally, I do think though he's increased his stock by playing next to LeBron and off the ball a little bit as well. I could see Kuzma being the most valuable piece on the Lakers, but the thing about his game that, uh, when it when it comes to comparing him to Ingram and and uh, uh, Ball is his game doesn't seem to be as complete because I, I really don't think he's a playmaker. Like, he's just a guy who's going to get you buckets and whatever he, he gives you on the rebounding side, like, that's a plus also. Like, sort of, I, I'm not, like, like statistic, statistically, I could see him being along the lines of, like, an Antoine Jameson where he's just, like, going to fill up 20-some points every night, get you, like, seven, six, seven rebounds just due to sheer size and proximity to the rim. And and that's just kind of how his career is going to go. But in terms of like how comfortable guys are with and without the ball and sharing it and trying to take chances, spread it around and grow a little bit, that's why Ingram and Ball, to me, are just a little bit above Kuzma. I would agree with that. I like that, actually, because Kuzma's also, what, two or three years older than, than Ball. He's actually older than Ingram, even though Ingram was in the league before him. Came so, out as a junior. Ingram was like, I think he reclassified. He was even a young rookie. Yeah, he was he was young, and so was Lonzo. I think they were both younger rookies, and um, some people are afraid of that. Like, is Kuzma what he is already? Like, how much better does he get when we do feel confident that Zoe and Ingram do have great room to improve when Kuzma might just be this guy? But he's also a short thing. Like, I don't think he's getting worse, and no matter where he goes, like we said, 18, 6 or 7 rebounds. And uh, some switchability with the hope he gets better on defense. Right. If he just gets a little better around the margins and he's averaging 20 points, seven rebounds, three assists, that's better than what Ingram and Ball are doing right now. So, like, if none of them ever get better, he's clearly the number one. But I just, I'm holding out hope for those two young guys. And when you're trading away Anthony Davis, you got to go for some potential. You got to go for the swing. Now, it is possible that all three of these guys are included somehow. I do think the Lakers end up keeping one of those three but I do believe two of them are definitely gone. And two guys who are also likely gone are Josh Hart. Josh Hart well, I almost just went Boston on him. Josh Hart. <laughs> I almost went Boston for a second. Josh Hart and Ivaka Zubats. So Zubats has been playing awesome as of late. Uh, when he gets the minutes, he's a scorer. He's a good rebounder. He's a big dude. He can move pretty well. So he's looked pretty good. I think everybody likes Josh Hart to the extent that you love him is in the eye of the beholder. But, like, goddamn, is he solid, right? So those two guys are almost definitely in the deal. Do you think either of those two those two really move the needle, or are they just young fillers with some upside? I think they're young fillers with upside. I feel like Josh Josh Hart's ceiling is kind of around where 
Kuzma will be next year. Like just like his ceiling is what we're saying Kuzma's floor is at this point, where it's going to be like twenty-seven and three, versus like that Josh Hart. Like I feel like that is his the peak of his potential. So that's kind of why like it doesn't make sense to put both of them in the deal like you're talking about. Zubats, I don't know. I feel like I haven't seen enough from him because we've been hearing about him for like a couple years before this and he really wasn't showing much. And then he has a couple of good games this season and all of a sudden he's like this really valuable trade piece. So I like I don't I, I, I don't know about that. And he's also only 21 years old. He's very young as well. He came but into the he, as like a center like a this is what we talk the thing about him that's so different is he's a big man, right? Mm-hmm. So how, what value do you place on centers at this point, especially ones that might not be so great on the defensive end? So I, I I don't know how you value that. I personally don't put him as high as the other as anyone else we've mentioned tonight. Fair enough, for sure. And uh, we'll get to some of the players on the other teams. And just to mention, when we talk about picks here with the Lakers, obviously, whether it be this year's pick or future picks, if Anthony Davis and LeBron are on the Lakers – it doesn't matter if it's a first-rounder. It's not going to be super valuable. Expecting that Anthony Davis and LeBron are still playing basketball, they're going to win an absolute minimum of 45 to 48 games, we assume. right? So if you assume that, and I'm sure the Pelicans would, you would need a couple picks to really prove it worthy. right? Otherwise, you're talking about 26 picks or 24 at best in the draft. And that's nice. You can hit a player in the 24, 25th, 26th range. But uh, if you're talking about other teams when you got the Celtics involved and their picks or the Knicks and their picks, you might be talking about top 10, top 5, who knows how high some of those picks can get. So with the Lakers picks, keep that in mind. They're likely going to be in the 20s, and that's not moving the needle too, too much uh, for the Pelicans. And the Lakers don't really have any other picks to give away besides their own. So they, they, they don't have a lot of you know margin to work with, whereas like a team like the Celtics – who have a, a plethora of picks to give away, and most of them are not even theirs. And that's a team with a lot of young talent. And if you take a, take stock of that, you have, you know, trade ships like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, uh, Semi Ojale, Robert Williams, and Gordon Hayward. I think all those guys are on the table for for Anthony Davis and. What what do you think? How how would you rank those players I just listed? So just to go through again: Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, uh, Robert Williams, and Gordon Hayward. What do you think? So Jason Tatum is the clear cut number one, not even close. Just put him on top, right? Agreed. A- after that, you get into the Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward conversation. Uh, I personally would say that Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier are slightly above. Uh, even though Hayward very well may have to be in that deal just to make the money work. But what we've seen of Hayward so far, what his salary is for the next three years, it makes it very tough to rank him, especially to a team that is going to be on a on a rebuild track by getting rid of Anthony Davis. you got to rank Brown and Rozier higher than Gordon Hayward. And then Robert Williams, you know, a guy with a lot of talent, should have been a lottery pick, messed up a lot uh, off the court, not showing up on time. Things like that, so he kind of dropped, but he is very athletic, very good talent, and semi is a throw, and he's nothing special at all. Um, when it comes to, to Jason Tatum, though, I find this very interesting because he hasn't taken a, a step that we expected 
from the playoffs last year after we saw him sincerely become the best player on the Celtics in big moments in the playoffs last year, in Game 7s in the playoffs last year, they were turning to Jason Tatum. But also, two guys who were right there with him were Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier. Now, if I'm the Celtics and I can give up Mick Tatum, the centerpiece of a trade for Anthony Davis, I'm doing it. Like, I'm doing it. And I don't know if Celtics fans want to hear that, and I don't know if they feel similarly to the way Knicks fans feel about Porzingis, because, like, he's our guy. We drafted him. We kind of took a chance on him. Uh, because, obviously, the Celtics had the number one pick. They could have drafted Fultz or Ball, and they tr- decided to trade down because they like this Tatum guy. He's the best of the three of them. So... I don't know if the Celtics fans are just too it's too close to home for them, but if I'm the Celtics, I'm getting rid of Jason Tatum in a heartbeat if it means Anthony Davis is coming to town. Um and Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier, if you ask me, they're they're just above throw-ins. If you could keep one of them, that's all good. But losing them, if you're bringing in AD, that could mean that means nothing to me. I just want to point out that uh a few months ago on this very podcast I said uh, I would trade Jason Tatum for Anthony Davis straight up. And uh, you, Frank, yeah. my brother, and my father all called me crazy. Why? What's the, I, was, I said that the Celtics wouldn't do that? Yeah. You were like, all right, slow down. Let's everyone just take take a breath. I was like, what What are you talking? What are we even talking about here? It's Anthony Davis. Like, what What are we even saying? So I just wanted to, I just want to remind everyone of that. Check, I've been, I've been, I will, I, I may have to check the tapes because I don't remember this specifically. And, I, I could also it got shut down so quick. Like the time I said that James Harden was better than Kobe Bryant, and then now people are comparing them, and he's putting up thirty point streaks. Like it's his fucking job. Uh, well, let me just say this: I've been on the wait a minute. Jason Tatum's kind of slipping this year, train like for a while now. So I, I don't know. I got to check the tapes. I don't want to call you a liar, but it was it was like very beginning of the season, maybe before it even started. Before Windhorse discovered it that was... they couldn't even trade for him if they wanted to, because Kyrie and that rule about you know. Second second mm-hmm. contracts, extended right. people, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, whatever you got to do to get this deal done, and here's the thing that the Celtics have that the Lakers don't. They can go to the Pelicans and say, we're going to make, we're going to, Jason Tatum is the starting point of this deal. Okay? You're going to give us Anthony Davis. We're going to give you Jason Tatum. We, we can guarantee that. But you got to wait. You got to wait until July. You got to wait until we get, can get this thing done on our time because of this contract rule. That's that's the one thing they can hang over the Pelicans' head and say, yeah, you know, maybe Ingram, you know, pans out and turns into the next Kevin Durant. You know, maybe Lonzo Ball is like Rondo with a jump shot. You know, maybe Kyle Kuzma starts putting up like 26 a game, 20, you know, maybe that stuff happens. But you saw Jason Tatum go head-to-head with LeBron James in an Easter Conference final game. And no, he didn't get it done down the stretch, but there was a moment, there was a real moment in that Game 7 where he looked like the best player on the court, just for that game. And at the end, he couldn't get it done. He needed to score like 30 points for them to really have a chance and make that thing uh, really tip it in their favor. But you saw that from a 19-year-old Jason Tatum. And that's... That's your starting point. Is maybe the best player on a conference finals team. That as as a teenager, it's true. That's I what mean, you can. That's what you can point out to the Pelicans. There were legitimate moments where Celtics fans and non-Celtics fans alike were really saying that, like they just weren't giving him the ball enough. 
Like, they needed to let him know, like, yo, Jason, you are our guy right now. And like, he might have been shying away from it a little, too. Yeah, like, Terry and Jalen Brown were almost not shying away to a fault. Like, they should have been taking less shots, but they were the ones who weren't scared and were like, give me the ball, I'm taking the shot, I got this, when it should have been Tatum because he was the guy. And, and I've been I've been saying this on the pod, I've been telling you guys this in our group chat, there's just some tendencies, like some shot tendencies for Jason Tatum that I don't like this year. And if you watch him this year, you're seeing way more mid-rangers. You're seeing less drives to the baskets. The only possible, the only positive thing in his shot selection is he is taking more threes. But those mid-rangers are cutting in to his drives, in which he was so successful going to the hoop last year. He can finish with both hands. He can get up and dunk. He can hit the floaters. And if he gets to the line, the guy hits free throws. It really bothers me to watch him and take these mid-range jumpers. And I know Bill Simmons jokes about this all the time, how Kobe Bryant corrupted him on purpose to sabotage the Celtics. And that's a joke, and I don't believe that to be true. But I do believe it to be true that Kobe Bryant still pushes the mid-range jumper because we know how Kobe Bryant played. Like, does that bother you with Jason Tatum? Kind of his style of play? He's a pretty, like, chill, relaxed guy. Is that something that you would hold against him? Or you're just saying, this dude's 20, he's a stud talent-wise and he'll get better and figure it out? Like, what, what do you think about all that? I think he'll get better and figure it out. I think he already kind of has in, in this season alone. I, I, I feel like I've seen less mid-range from him recently. Like, in the beginning of the season, it was so glaringly obvious that he was just passing up on open threes or not driving as aggressively to the rim as he as he was even at the beginning of last season. Like, he, he was almost fearless going, going, to the, going to the hole. But I'm not too worried about that now at, at this point defenses are so worried about three-pointers and layups that they're really over committing to the three-point line and they leave the middle that middle you know 12 to 20 foot range they leave that open for guys and I think as a young player he saw space and he's like okay I'm gonna take what the defense gives me and it was almost like uh like a trap and he'll he'll recognize after seeing his numbers from the beginning of the season, you can sit him down and just say, hey, this is what you were doing this year. This is what you were doing last year as a rookie, right? And it's not working as well this year. You need to go back to shooting more threes, take more layups, you know, maybe get into the free throw line. Those shots are there for a reason, right? They're, they're almost like baiting you into it. So so don't don't fall for it. I, know, I, like, I appreciate the confidence, blah, blah, blah. But like you, you need to understand from a, analytics standpoint and because of what you're capable of like we know you can shoot 38 to 40 percent from three we know you can attack the rim and finish with either hand he's actually finished a great he's great at finishing with his right hand on the left side doing that that weird swoop move where it's like a reverse layup that he comes through like somehow like straight away i don't know it's it, it's it, it's really interesting the way he does it but he, he'll he'll fine-tune those points of his uh, of his game. Like I'm not really worried about the mid range stuff at this point. Let me just give you this real quick. Uh, last year, 32% of his shots were within three feet to the hoop this year, only 22%. So 10% less of his shots are uh, coming with in the rim, like within the restricted area. And those shots are getting distributed from the three to 10 foot range, which isn't bad, but then the 10 to 16 range, more shots, and he has taken some more threes, which is something the analytical, analytical people and you and I like. But it is something to keep an eye on. But let's let's keep it this thing moving here. Uh, we have to one talk more thing. Th- one more thing I wanted to point out about the Celtics. No, I was going to keep it on the Celtics too. Oh, where, okay. Go where, ahead. Go where, ahead. No, where are you going? Well, Gordon Hayward. 
Okay. Gordon Hayward, like, yeah, he had that brutal injury. Yeah, he hasn't looked like the same guy, obviously, and it, it hasn't improved as quickly or as gradually as anyone has wanted it to. But he's locked up for, what is it, two more years? Three more years after this season? I think it's two. Three. He got No, is he got three? four. He got four, so it should be two, right? Yeah. So, yeah. That's one thing that New Orleans can take away from this. And you think of New Orleans the same way you think of Memphis, the same way you think of like Portland, where if, you know, if we can get a guy who has upside and if you can talk yourself into, you know, he'll bounce back the same way Paul Paul George did. Now you have that guy locked in on your team for a few years and you look at it as an investment. Like he's not going to he's not going to ruin your draft pick, you know? Like right. him him figuring some stuff out. He won't ruin your draft pick, but you'll have him there in case you get a couple picks and they work out. And now you have this veteran there who is an all-star caliber player when he's healthy. So that's another thing you can take away from this, and especially with a guy like Jason Tatum who could be as an all-star as soon as next year and then Gordon Hayward maybe two years after that, plus whoever you pick up in the drafts along the way. So right. th- that that's the type of you know five-year plan that you can think about if you're in New Orleans. Also, though, regarding the Celtics, you just mentioned you know their picks, which obviously come into play to help make their uh, package more appealing than the Lakers. So they have a pick from Memphis, they have a pick from Sacramento, and that's not even including their own picks, which aren't going to be as good, obviously, because their record is strong. But those things come into play now when the Celtics call up the Pelicans and say, hey, you don't want to make this trade before the deadline. You want to wait till the offseason because we got the package you won't turn down. All those things really become more... You know, more impactful. But the one thing that was tough to really talk about but did get brought up today, I believe by Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, is that it's not a short thing that Kyrie Irving is going to re-sign with the Boston Celtics. Now, we know he went on his little, uh, you know, what was it, media day for the Celtics this year and said, I want to be a Celtic for life. I want to re-sign after this season. But words are fickle, man. People say a lot of things, including his GM. And I think Kyrie Irving knows that he can be traded tomorrow if Danny Ainge wanted to, if he found the right deal. So I'm not convinced. I was never convinced that Kyrie was staying even after those comments. But now it's being made public by some some real big J journalists like Chris Haynes. Is that something that comes into consideration for you? If Kyrie leaves, does AD become that much more important to get? Does Tatum become that much more important to keep? It, it, like it really becomes a lot more interesting because, like, say you trade Tatum, Brown, and a pick for Anthony Davis, and then Kyrie doesn't re-sign. Then you have AD, Gordon Hayward, and what? What are you doing in Boston there? I don't know, and that's that's really a great point. Um, so it might be in their best interest to just remove that from the equation uh, equation entirely by making some kind of. You know, it's just like, you know, backdoor deals, like it's basically just tampering on your own team, right? So they have to come to some sort of arrangement with that and really show Kyrie, like, they're, they're committed to him and say, hey, we want to we wanna keep you here. And you know what? We want to bring in Anthony Davis for you. Okay. So think about that. You stick around here. And wh- where else are you going to go? Where, where are you going to go where you're going to play with a better player than Anthony Davis? You know, you know, maybe if you go to the Knicks, they might have Kevin Durant opt out and then he could sign in New York. So it's like we can get this deal done in July. Okay. We're working on that now. And, and if they don't, 
if the Pelicans don't make this trade before the deadline and then Anthony Davis is still sitting there, you can look at Kyrie and say, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to get the offer on the table, whatever's going to get it done. You're going to, you know, and we want you to stick around and be a part of it. You know, we want to win championships with you and Anthony, and we want to put your number in the rafters like you're talking about. So that's really what they need to convey to him. Like, if they can make it past February 7th, they're in the catbird seat. Like, no one can put together a better offer than the Celtics. And one other thing that they can do that no one else can, there's been some talk about the Pelicans wanting to get rid of uh, the Solomon Hill contract. Oh, yeah. No other team, I don't think any other team, the Lakers or the Celtics, or I'm sorry, the Lakers, the Sixers, or the Knicks can make that trade and make that money work. Because taking on $37, almost $38 million in salary cap, it's hard to move that money. If you get rid of Gordon Hayward, that's 31 and then you get rid of uh, Tatum, 6.7, and then you throw in like Terry Rozier. That works. You they get off the Solomon Hill, the Pelicans get off the Solomon Hill contract. Celtics get Anthony Davis, and th- that's kind of the best of both worlds for for New Orleans. You get Jason Tatum back. You get the upside of possibly Gordon Hayward coming back and being healthy, and you get uh, a solid young point guard. Give him some room to grow in, in Terry Rozier because you're going to end up moving Drew Holiday if you're moving Anthony Davis. So. And, and also Miritich and Randall probably as well, right? Yep. It's like Miritich, yep. you know, he's not, what, what are you not, what are you keeping him around for a rebuild for? You're not. Yeah, it's, Maybe it's Randall, but the not The Pelicans Miritich. aren't working out because we look at this team, it's like, okay, you can definitely get some good stuff for, it's like the, the sum of the parts is not, you know, people talk about like, uh, the Nuggets, who like have Jokic as that big star, but like everyone, they're so deep everywhere around him, right? Right. Whereas the Pelicans are just so top heavy. You can get great stuff for Anthony Davis, obviously, and then great stuff for Drew Holiday, Julius Randle, Nick, like Miritich. Like, wh- why didn't it work out better? I just well, that's the way. This, I, that's this, the question I keep coming back to. When this it's is what like, happened. I feel like they have a lot of really valuable trade pieces. This is what happened to the Pelicans this year. Nikola Mirotic got hurt, and Alfred Payton, who is their de facto point guard. I know Alfred Payton's kind of a punching bag. I don't particularly like his game, but he was their de facto point guard playing decent basketball. Mirotic hurt, point guard hurt. They were losing with a positive team net rating, a positive plus-minus for the team. They were still on the losing record. The West came out super hot when you talk about the Kings, the Grizzlies, the Mavericks, and the Pelicans came out a little bit slower. And then before before you knew it, it's a little too late, and then Miritich comes back. Uh, they start the new year pretty good. Anthony Davis is putting up ridiculous numbers. And then the icing on the cake, Anthony Davis gets hurt. We actually forget that Anthony Davis is hurt right now. He can't play basketball for the next week or two. I, I don't even know if there's a, a date he's coming back yet. But then when he got hurt, it became that much uh, more evident that the Pelicans are not making the playoffs. So that's really what happened to the Pelicans this season. Uh, but the Celtics and the Lakers, very interesting because they're the two most likely teams to get them, right? Vegas says so. Everybody who has a Twitter account knows so. They're the two most likely spots for Anthony Davis without an argument. But why are those two teams, the teams that are probably also the two most hated teams in the NBA, Duff, the Lakers for being the Lakers and winning all the championships, Celtics for winning all these championships, and then more recently, not championships, well, championships not included, Danny Ainge has swindled other GMs left and right. Every year this dude makes a trade that the other team regrets. If you are the Pelicans and you are Dell Demps, why are you saying, yeah, let me wait to go trade with Danny Ainge because he always helps out the other team. Like, 
What? What happens when the Pelicans say, all right, we're not trading to the Lakers. We're going to wait for the Celtics to get involved here. And then the Celtics say, oh, yeah, no, we're going to make a trade with you. But Tatum's off the table. Uh, one of our two first-round picks is off the table this year. Kyrie is ours. Uh, and you can get Terry Rozier. Like, what? Like, the Pelicans can be like, oh, crap. we got to go back to the Lakers. And the Lakers are like, looks like you got nothing better. We're keeping Zell. We're keeping Kuzma. You get Ingram. Call it a day. Like, is this not a possibility? And the Pelicans are going to end up being like, what did we miss out on? I, I guess it is. I mean, it's it's just a question of what kind of relationship does Dell Dems have with any of these general managers that might be <laughs> in these conversations. Like, what? Uh. Who can he trust? Like, and, and from what we've seen, you're right. Like, can he trust Danny Ainge to to follow through on his word? And how I think, can anybody trust Danny Ainge? I think he, he traded I, a dude with a broken hip. Like Isaiah Thomas has played like 25 games since he bleeded on the Celtics after that dude played injured yeah, but that, in the playoffs. That one wasn't like, so much Danny Ainge like fleecing another team to me. That was just the the Cavs were in such a bad spot, and then Kyrie was like, "Oh, the Celtics are interested. All right, yeah, that's where I'm going. Don't no one else, no one else trade for me. Everyone else hang up the phone. Like I'm going to Boston. So that was I mean, even less though they, they Danny weren't Ainge. they weren't on his first five teams. What do you mean? Kyrie did the whole thing, which I expect Anthony Davis's camp to do in the next week or so, where Kyrie was like, I would like to be traded to, you know, the the Nets, the Knicks, the blah, blah, blah. The, he, didn't, he didn't pick the uh, the Celtics. when He, he named, didn't? No, did not. They were not on his original list of teams to be traded to. Hmm. Yeah, crazy, I know. But it's true. But anyways, it's something to think about when we come, when it comes to the Pelicans. You know, like how do you trust Danny Ainge? Do you push this off to the offseason like a lot of people are saying is the smart thing to do? Now, granted, you can still pull in other teams to leverage it out. You pull in teams like the Knicks maybe or like the Sixers, which we're going to talk about now, and it does maybe bring back the leverage in your favor. Nonetheless, the longer Anthony Davis is on the Pelicans when everyone knows that he doesn't want to be there, it kind of gets harder for these other GMs to be like, yeah, we'll just give you what you want for Anthony Davis, when they could just easily say to Dell Demps, like, dude, this guy doesn't want to play for you. If you don't trade him now, you're not going to get anything for him. So it, it, in my opinion, it gets kind of tough. But anyways, let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers because they don't come to the top of the mind right away when it comes to this Anthony Davis trade scenario. But you have some very interesting thoughts about the Sixers roster, who can be moved, and how it can be broken down. So Duff, why do the Sixers deserve to be in this conversation they deserve to be in the conversation because we talked about how the lakers are they, they, they want to they're the most desperate to kind of make this move because they've already missed out on paul george and Kawhi leonard and it's like oh yeah we'll wait those are signed for agency blah 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 and that might be true for Kawhi, but we don't know and then you have the celtics who can put together the best package of just if you want young talent we got that you want a veteran on a longer contract who it might be all-star caliber. We got that. You want a bunch of draft picks? We got that. What the Sixers have that those other teams don't is the best player to put on the table, like the best player, period, to put on the table for Anthony Davis, and that's Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons won Rookie of the Year last year. He's going to be an all-star this year. He didn't take a step back like Jason Tatum did. He didn't take a, a quantum leap forward like a lot of people wanted him to, and the jump shot, there's still a lot of questions there. But he he is what we've expected him to be. And he's gotten better this season and he's better than Ingram ball Kuzma all like by a mile. So Ben Simmons to me is kind of like the, the piece that could swing everything here. Now gets into a question of then who's your starting point guard. 
TJ McConnell, then who's the backup point guard? Like they don't have one. If if they TJ McConnell's their backup point guard, they don't have another backup point. So and and, it, and to make the money work, you got to trade Wilson Chandler, and then Corey Brewer all of a sudden becomes really really valuable. And he he was just picked up off the street like a couple a couple weeks ago, right? He wasn't even playing. And uh, and obviously it means punting on Markel Fultz, which you know wouldn't be surprising. A lot of people have said that this is. He, he probably won't step on the court for the, for the Sixers again in his career. It's just the situation seems to have gone completely sour. But Ben Simmons, to me, we talked about who is the most valuable on each team. Ben Simmons is the most valuable player that's that's most likely to be traded for Anthony Davis. Not most likely, but like you know, it, within the realm of possibility. Right in the he is the best player available. Mm-hmm. Out of that's including Ingram, Ball, Tatum, everybody. Correct. Yeah. And the only person I think is on the same team is probably Jimmy Butler. But if you ask me, if I'm the Pelicans, I'm never trading for Jimmy Butler. No, we, it's the same like, thing. You're just fast-forwarding a year where it's, it's his contract expires. It's like yeah, if Anthony and, Davis was – if this was next year, basically, for Anthony Davis. And we saw what he did in Minnesota. So, like, Jimmy Butler is not on the table. Unless your name is the Lakers, uh, the maybe the Knicks, Nets. Who knows where Jimmy Butler even wants to go? Like – guy is so hard to read at this point like does he like the Sixers does he not like the Sixers does what it, so I no matter who I am basically unless I get the winky wink I, I'm not touching Jimmy Butler and even if I get the winky wink I might not touch Jimmy Butler but Ben Simmons is controllable he's young he is the type of player who can kind of have his own team for, for, for like you know a lot of people use that term because he can control the ball he can get a high usage rate. Obviously, the shooting comes into question. But if this guy's just running point, pick and roll all day, running fast breaks, he's going to average 20 and 12 assists with the possibility of getting 10 rebounds. He's a possible triple-double guy if he has all those possessions, you know, without sharing with Embiid and Butler so much. And you can just you can build a team around him. And it, it's the same thing as sort of Alonzo in the sense that if you keep Gentry, but it, just in terms of where the league is going in general with with the pace to play, like having him with the ball in his hands, making decisions with players around him and, and really building this team around Ben Simmons. Like, okay, we have the point guard figured out. We know who our ball handler is. Let's get him some shooters. Let's get him a lob target. Let's get him someone, someone who can create on the wing. The shot clock's winding down. So what Ben Simmons to me, sorry about that. (laughs) The clear best player, uh, (laughs) That that the Pelicans can hope to get out of any sort of deal. Well, I just derailed with your some point. years of control. I but just... the, this the this the thing like the the point that keeps keeps getting brought up and like I don't know enough about this stuff, so I don't know how much to make of it. But everyone keeps talking about he's a clutch sports guy. Anthony Davis is a clutch sports guy. So is that like a conflict of interest for Rich Paul? I guess he really doesn't have a say in anything that's going to go on. But that 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 might sour the relationship. Okay, we get one player out of New Orleans. And then we're just going to throw our young player, another young player that we represent, right back in. Yeah, unfortunately, so, you know, Rich Paul and Clutch doesn't have anything to say about it because he's under team control. So like, he, they can't veto the trade. I mean, they could like quit. Like, I guess he could say like, I'm not playing. I don't know. He'd get fined. He could do a Le'Veon Bell, like be under contract and just not play. Yeah, I guess he could get traded there and just say, flip me, flip me now before the deadline ends. Just yeah, wherever. I don't but care. Then that, not here. Like that's just that's just not like that doesn't seem likely. That's the problem with the Ben Simmons scenario. And also, I'm sorry for just derailing your point with some NBA sound popping up uh, <laughs> on the feed right there. So I apologize. And to All good. A little inside podcast for our, uh, you know, our our listeners here 
<laughs> I did that to you earlier tonight when we first started recording. I yep. played some music or something by accident, and we had to start over. So this time we're not starting over, and I'm going to not play music or any noise over you again for the next 15 minutes. I promise. Yeah, I guess you were just bored of my takes already. No, no, it wasn't. I, it says mute. I muted the, the site. I, I apologize. All right, I'm sorry. But back to the topic. So Ben Simmons is off the table, right? Say he's off the table because New Orleans knows he's not going to want to be there. Rich Paul flexes his muscles, makes sure it doesn't happen. The Sixers just will not part ways with Ben Simmons. Does this trade for the Sixers become remotely possible, or does Anthony Davis to the Sixers become a pipe dream? Because I have an alternative that you might like. Uh, I think it's a pipe dream, but go ahead. Change my mind. My alternative to you is that the Sixers do not need to go after Pelican named Anthony Davis. They need to go after Pelican named Drew Holiday and bring Drew back to Philly. Okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. So what is maybe the two things that the Sixers lack in other than depth? It's probably shooting and then it's perimeter defense because the guys who can shoot can't stop a soul. What does Drew Holiday do best, Duffy? Plays per- defense. Perimeter defense and can put the ball in the hoop. If they can somehow do Markel Fultz, maybe the Miami Heat first-round pick, maybe one of their own first-round picks, and then throw in, you know, that throw on Wilson Chandler at this point. Wilson Chandler, yeah. Mike Muscala maybe at that point just to get the salaries up. It's going to be a tough salary match. Fultz and Chandler get, make the money work. They might be just under, but it just, let's say it does make the money work, or if they have no, to. I just did the trade machine. It works. Oh, very nice. So even better. Fultz. Chandler, two first-round picks. Drew Holiday becomes a sixer again. I don't know who's scoring on this lineup, Duff. Tell me who's scoring on the lineup of Drew Holiday, Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Jimmy Butler, and Joel Embiid. Who is scoring on that lineup, man? Uh, Whoever J.J. Redick is guarding, but that's it. (laughs) That's the only person. And that would be the worst player on the team who he's guarding. Theoretically, yes. So, I don't know. I think if I'm the Sixers... Anthony Davis is a little too hard to get for me, and I'm looking at Drew and saying, "Come home, Drew. You started this process. Help us end it." Yep. He was like, he literally was right. He got traded. Yeah, I could see that. I think, I think, I, I really like where your heads at there because if you can hold on to Ben Simmons, you can hold on to Joel Embiid, you hold on to Jimmy Butler. Adding like, like giving up any other anyone else is like very much on the table at this point. So just go right ahead and cherry pick uh, Drew Holiday and say, okay, everyone's looking. Everyone's looking, you know, over here. I'm going to go over there, you know? Absolutely. Zig when they're zagging. Zig out of zag while they're zigging. You got to do it. Everybody's doing it nowadays. Uh, anyways, for the Sixers, I think that's kind of where we have to draw the line because oh, also, actually, let me let me throw this again. Uh, we're talking about guys who are not named Anthony Davis on the Pelicans. Nikola Mirotic would be damn good on the Sixers as well. Yeah, that, that would be great. I don't know who they would have to... Get going for that. I mean, they might just do that for like an expiring and a pick. Yeah, that, that might that might go like Wilson Chandler, Miritich, and then like uh, that Heat pick unprotected. And then your loss of Dario, Maybe a second rounder. Like he basically replaces Dario, and then you still have Jimmy. That that the depth looks a lot better. I don't know. I, that's pretty interesting as well. So these secondary players for Drew Holiday and Miritich, Randall, they're going to be interesting if Davis does get moved. Because then why the hell are the Pelicans going to keep him around? But. 
without further ado, I, I mean, it's kind of messed up being that this is the SBNY podcast stuff, the Sports Blog New York podcast, that we left this team for last. Mm-hmm. But if we're being honest, and I'm going to be honest, I'm always honest on this show, it doesn't feel like it's real, Duff. I know Woj doesn't just say stuff. He knows stuff and then says it. I know he brought up the Knicks. I know Windhorse is, even though he's a kind of punching bag and gets joked on a lot, he's one of the more more respected guys in the industry. He knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. If you want to joke on him, fine. I actually like Windhorse a lot. I think he's awesome. I think he's interesting. He brought it up. It was like the second team that he brought up. So am I too skeptical of a Knicks fan to say that just doesn't feel right, doesn't feel real, doesn't it doesn't doesn't even excite me that much because I just don't believe it to be true, Duff. Am I being too skeptical, too cynical? When you heard the Knicks get thrown out into this conversation, what crossed your mind? I was I was intrigued by it. I think there's a possibility that it could happen. I think it won't get done. Like if Anthony Davis gets moved before the deadline, it won't be to the Knicks. It would. It's going to have to wait until after the lottery. They're going to need to know where they stand. If they get the number one pick, then you got a strong case and at least for maybe a three team deal where AD goes to New Orleans and Kyrie somehow ends up on the Knicks maybe what something like that happens yeah you throw what? in some Jalen like Jalen Brown and everyone just basically throws picks at New Orleans they just do it for like you know Jalen Brown Kevin Knox and just a whole bunch of picks, and then Kyrie ends up on the Knicks. AD goes to Boston, or I don't know. There's a couple. That didn't make a lot of sense. Really? Couple... I don't know. There's like a three-team deal that could be made here. I know it. I can't figure it out on this damn trade machine, the, but the that's pro- somewhere in here. I the, can feel it. The problem is uh. for the Knicks is if Anthony Davis, if Kevin Durant, like let's just say Kevin Durant gets brought back into the mix, right, and he's going to resign. He's like, "Yo, Knicks, let's do this." Like I'm in. But you got to pay me what I what I what I deserve. All this stuff. The Knicks have Tim Hardaway. They have Courtney Lee, and they have some money hanging around that's not helping their case. But if these moves can be made to get rid of Tim Hardaway's contract, then they can fit Kevin Durant, a Kyrie Irving, or a Anthony Davis, and extend Kristaps Porzingis. But Porzingis also now comes back into the equation here. I have pretty strong feelings on this, but I'll let you go first. Are you willing or interested in trading Kristaps Porzingis for Anthony Davis in that trade um, from the Knicks' perspective and from the Pelicans' perspective? What do you think? I, If I'm the Knicks, I would do that. If you're the for Knicks. For Anthony Davis, I would do it. If you're the Okay, so that's one thing. I know a lot of Knicks fans, which you are not a Knicks fan, so let's say that on record. I know I and Knicks fans hold Porzingis near to our hearts because he is the first young player who has star potential since Patrick Ewing, right? Yeah. He is that Best guy. pick you guys have had since Ewing. Correct. So it is, it's tough to just say, like, yeah, let's just flip him, right? It's tough to kind of just say that. But objectively, if you can bring in Anthony Davis for a guy who just tore his ACL, hasn't played more than 70 games in a, in a season – out of three, like it's it's hard to objectively say you wouldn't say yes. But is that enough for the Pelicans to do it? A guy, like I said, ACL, hasn't been super healthy. We haven't seen him play since the injury. Probably won't want to stay in New Orleans either. So if you're the Pelicans, is that is that what you want to do too? I think the Pelicans 
say no on that, which is why that pick becomes more important. Right. If that's that's going to be a top three pick, you know, if it's a number one pick, do you give up Zion and KP for Anthony Davis, and then you got to for one year of Anthony Davis, and you got to roll the dice. Well, or, Zion and KP, the basically the number one pick in KP, that's not a package to me. No way. It's one or the it can't other. Be both. It can't be both. It right? That's what I was getting because it's like one year of Anthony Davis. No, no, no way. Like without any guarantees beyond that. Even if there are guarantees beyond that, I don't. I still don't know. But if it's the number three pick, then what? It's still tough. It's still tough for me to put that pick and Porzingis together. It's still tough because also that's not even leaving the money to work yet. We still got to throw in uh, a contract like Hardaway, which is I guess is fine. It's not a big deal, but but still that's players. Like so, then what's the point of bringing Anthony Davis into New York? In getting rid of your second best player, then you basically have New Orleans in a big market, and they stink. They make one playoff, and then what? And what are you doing? You're back to square one. Like no, I- no, no. Because then, then you still, then you have now Anthony Davis as like the dangling carrot for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. <laughs> and Kyrie's back in the mix. Like it yeah. just there's too many moving parts for me. I think for once the Knicks, the Knicks since Mills and Perry have taken control here have really stayed true to their plan, which is, you know, don't trade away your draft picks. Don't get an older star just because you can at the moment. Don't do anything crazy. This process is working. Make the right but draft But this is not picks. an older star. No, he's this not. This is this he's not. guy right in the thick of his prime. That is correct. He's like 25. He'll be 26 by then, whatever. So I get that. But, like, am I being too much of a homer by saying, I'd rather have Porzingis, this number one pick, which could be Zion Barrett or Jean Morant, say, right? And then possibly Kevin Durant, or then possibly Kyrie, or then possibly Anthony Davis, depending on where he gets traded to in free agency the next year. Like, am I being too much of a homer? Am I being too cautious? What do you think about standing pat? Like, I think that is the route for the Knicks. What do you think? This this might be like a situation where it's like, I've been hurt before. You know, I've been burned before. But in the past, by making these big trades for stars, I don't know if I want to do that again. I don't know if I can commit to something like that again. But this, this is Anthony Davis. Like this is different. This is this is this is one of the biggest trades in the history of the NBA when it happens. Like whenever this happens, this will be like a top five trade in NBA history. So, do you really want to kind of like stand on the side here? Like sometimes indecision is the worst decision. You know, sometimes more is lost on indecision than the wrong decision. And you need to weigh that against. Like, do you, oh, it's Anthony Davis. Like, you're right. Cause you know, you just said, on. you just said how hanging around could be the worst decision or the lack of decisions can may be the worst decision. So like, like, look at, look at the Lakers right now where they don't have Paul George and they don't have Kawhi Leonard. Like, right. So can that's, we, can that's we... indecision. Like maybe Kawhi's on the team in six, seven months, but that, that's a maybe. And, so basically what you're saying is, by my idea of waiting and seeing who could come in free agency, we could end up with Porzingis and nobody. Yeah, that's a very dis- like that's a very real possibility. Who, or Porzingis you know, and a pick, we got to say at least, right? And who knows right. how if healthy Porzingis right Porzingis and away a, whoever top three pick it is, you know? But, but if it's not Zion, I don't know how you really lure anyone else. Like, it, it's, it's really Zion or bust in terms of free agency interest to me. So what other Knicks have any value? Like, 
not what do you how do you value Knox? How do you value Neil Aquina? How do you value I don't know Moutier, Trey Burke, whatever? How do you value, value how do you Knox. value the other Knicks? Knox is probably in the same wheelhouse as like, you know, he's he's somewhere above Josh Hart, but maybe probably below Jalen Brown. He's probably somewhere in that range. That sounds fair. I mean, Brown has just done it already. He's older. He's a little more. Explosive. But he's taking that step back this year, so I think it's like a it's like a half step down from Jalen Brown at this point, you know, because you right. don't know. You don't know where his head's at. He's almost too smart for his own good, you know. Like, yeah, I mean, you almost he, he realizes though, every little slight. You almost got to think though that Jalen Brown would actually benefit from being on a team without all these stars. Like last year, the way he played, the confidence he showed was probably it, it might have been because the team was like, "Yo, we need you to do these things." Now they're like, "We need you to do the things we're not doing." Right? Like Kyrie. Is he really Horford, ready to Tatum. carry that load though? No, but are the Pelicans, if they make this trade, ready to compete? No. I mean, you know what? You know what we didn't get to yet in this hour and uh, five minutes, or no, actually, just an hour so far of this podcast. Do you know what's that? What we didn't get to yet? I, I can't believe we didn't get to it yet. How the hell are the Pelicans still in New Orleans and not the Seattle SuperSonics? Oh God, yeah. Like that was. What are we doing I was, here? I, I, dude? I meant to bring that up. Like, what are we doing here? Like, dude, we're talking about. The Sixers can't trade Simmons to New Orleans because he's going to want out. The Knicks can't trade Porzingis to New Orleans because New Orleans will know Porzingis will want out. Jimmy Butler will want out. Every star that matters who could be a possible trade piece for Anthony Davis will not accept going to New Orleans because if they do, they're going to get out the first moment they humanly possibly can. Like, they're going to leave if it's anybody of value. Like, Jalen Brown is probably the only guy here who will end up staying in New Orleans for more than two years. Like, Jason Tatum will probably be, like, year four, be like, hey, get me out of here. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing with New Orleans? Like, people start (sighs) saying, I feel bad for their fans. I feel bad for small markets. How about sell out a game? How about one game? How about not make horrible decisions for five years? It costs... Oh. I've said this on this podcast before. You can go see Anthony Davis play in New Orleans for the same price of a Chipotle burrito. Like, it's disgusting. It's like, disgusting what you can do. Like, the, the amount of games you can go see in a place like that on the cheap. And I'm, like, suffocating over here between Brooklyn, New York, and Philadelphia, and Boston. It's, like, it's like the, the four most expensive arenas in the entire country besides – uh, Staples Center and probably the Warriors at this point, but yeah. just historically speaking, like those markets are generally the most expensive. And I got to look at Anthony Davis just dropping forty and twenty, and it's like a half-empty gym. It, it really doing? is. Like, what are, what are we doing? Like, I want to feel bad for some certain small markets, but it comes down to looking in the mirror. Like the Knicks, granted, they're lucky enough to where they can be horrible like they are and still sell a ton of tickets. And maybe that's a blessing and a curse. I don't know where you want, which way you want to look at it. But you look at Oklahoma City. Like they didn't have a team. They hit on three draft, four drafts in a row. If you count Serge Ibaka, knocked them out of the park. No, uh, none of them were number one overall picks. Knocked them all out of the park, and they're still to this day, ten years into Kevin Durant's career, even though he's not there anymore a super respectable perennial playoff team. You look at the Grizzlies. Now, granted, they've been bad for uh, two years in a row now, but before that, playoffs after playoffs after playoffs. They're not signing free agents. The best free agency signing they've had in the past 15 years is probably freaking Chandler Parsons. Like, 
look yourself in the mirror, Pelicans. You've been making mistakes. You got lucky that you got Anthony Davis. I don't feel bad for you or your fans. Go to Seattle. Go, just get out of my face. Go to your room. Go to Seattle. Get out of the Discord, Pelicans. Get out of the Discord immediately. I'm sick of it. Like I. That's. Ugh. But that, maybe that's one thing. Maybe that's hope for the next though. Because if they do get the number one pick, and then if you're the Pelicans owners and you want to keep them in New Orleans, and you can say, hey, you can point to that pick. Say, hey, that's going to be Zion Williamson. Like, you want to come see Zion play? Yeah, like, and they have no choice then. Like, then they have, and if they get a rookie in the first round, they're basically guaranteed. Let's be let's be uh, generous here. It'll say at least six years, right? Because by year six, you can start doing the whole pre agency thing. Like, hey, I'm not going to mm-hmm. sign that extension you're telling me about. Trade me like Anthony Davis is doing right now. At least six years, though, you have to try to figure it out, which they've had with Davis, and they got to the playoffs twice. Shoulder <sighs> shrug. I don't know what they're going to do. They can't. They they just. I this is why the tampering thing. I just don't feel bad. Like. Just be better. Like this, the, the 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 Warriors ruined the league. It's like, dude, look at your own team. Like, just be better. Like, War- why did why did they figure it out? You know what's like, funny they- too? I know Silicon Valley has blown up and become a real thing uh, that has helped the Warriors, but the Warriors and Golden State, San Francisco, Bay Area, Oakland, was not considered a big market, like ten years no. ago. Like ten years ago, they couldn't get a free agent. They were getting. A uh, post broken leg, like Baron six, Davis. Six or no, seven years ago, was, like actually, it was pre broken leg, Baron Davis. But that's besides the point. Six or seven years ago, it was a small market. Like it was only when they won a championship that it's like, oh shit! Like the Warriors, like what a crazy market, and all all like these these players want to be businessmen now and they want to invest in things. It's like, dude, they can invest from anywhere, you and, know? It's and like, almost, and they almost traded Steph Curry instead of Monte Ellis. Don't forget that. It was so close. So th- I remember that so vivid. They almost traded Klay Thompson for Kevin Love. There were moments from not being who we thought they were, but they made the right decisions. They didn't give out horrible contracts to Omir Ashik and Solomon Hill. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard for me to feel bad. It really is. And I remember I remember once on Twitter, I said this on the pod before, I like made a ranking of like move them to Seattle rankings. And I, I put Charlotte Hornets as an honorable mention. They didn't even make my top five. They were honorable mention. And random Charlotte Hornets fan on Twitter, like, you'll stay away from my team, bro. And I'm like, no. How about you be better than average one time? Like, How about how about you, you make Charlotte better? Like, Charlotte was so bad that they thought New Orleans would be better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how bad Charlotte was. Okay? And they gave so Charlotte you, Whoever the chance. fuck that guy was, like, just chill out. Yeah. Don't touch my Hornets, bro. Come on. Christ. It's probably Anyways. Tate Frazier's burner. Anyways, Duff, we've been talking here for a minute. Um, let's just let's just take our swings at this. Let's just give a couple sentences each here on how we think this will play out before we say goodbye. So take the floor. How do you think the Anthony Davis saga plays out? What team and when and who comes back to New Orleans? I think the the team that's going to end up with Anthony Davis is the Boston Celtics because we talked, we just talked about this with new Orleans and basketball there and getting people engaged and excited is like, it's like trying to move mountains. It's almost impossible, but the best way to do it is with a top level talent type player, like Jason Tatum. And he's better than anything the Lakers have to offer. 
and he's not as good as Ben Simmons, but we talked about that, you know, clutch sports thing. Really, the only way that the Lakers can get this deal done now before the trade deadline is if they put give Ball, Ingram, and Kuzma. And then if you're the Pelicans, if we do that, then we're just the Lakers of the South. Like, we're exactly where they were, and we're not really much... We're not. We we don't have the top end young talent, and we're not really that bad that we can just completely bottom out because those three are actually a decent core that'll grow together, but never to be something that's so amazing. Um, so so I really think if Danny Ainge gets on the phone and he just says, "Hey, like, come July first, we're sending Jason Tatum your way," and I, I I think that really gives the Pelicans pause and and stalls this out, and he'll end up in Boston. Anthony Davis. All right. Interesting. I, uh, if I'm the Pelicans, I'm staying away from Danny Ainge because I don't trust him. That <laughs> that rat son of a gun. Can't trust that guy. Anyways, I'm going with the Lakers, and I think it happens in the next 10 days. I think the threat of the Boston Celtics sneak out enough from the Lakers. They're going to give out. I think they're going to end up doing – the Daryl Morey offer right now where they're just like, yeah, take, take all the picks. Like however, how many, like they're going to call Adam Silver. Like, can you just confirm how many first round picks we can offer to, for Anthony Davis? He's like, Oh, you know, you can't do back to back, but you get, you know, four years down the line. So four total, right? They're like, all right, four year, four first round picks, uh, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, give us Anthony Davis right now. And I think they're going to get it done somehow. I think Anthony Davis is destined to be a Laker at this point because Rich Paul, the power of clutch is real. The power of LeBron James's agency. I mean, I mean, Rich Paul's agency is super real in the NBA right now, and it's going to happen. It's going to happen in the next 10 days. Anthony Davis is a Laker, and my, my prediction with that is that Lonzo Ball is also still a Laker. Wow. So you think they, they're able to retain Lonzo but also – also trade for Anthony Davis before the Celtics can even make a move? Well, the Celtics can't make a move because they can't trade for him until later. And I think the threat of the Celtics is going to scare the Lakers, and the Lakers are not missing out again on a star. They're going to say we... But if you but if you have to get it done now, you if and you're the Pelicans, you say, hey, you're going to have to pay us a premium on this. Like You want it now before the Celtics can even do anything about it? That's like, why I said... This is what it's going to take. All the first-round picks, Ingram, Kuzma, Hart, Take on uh, Solomon Hill, hell, hell, like what? I, I, I mean, the ball part is just more of like a a pipe dream that I want. I want to see ball play with uh, LeBron and AD. I think he's the right type of guy to be there to defense, move the ball, push the ball, fast breaks, yada yada yada. So it's kind of more of a personal hope that ball is still there. But I'm going on. I'm not going on a limb because no one cares what I say. But I'm going on a limb and saying that ball stays with the Lakers somehow. Whether it be Lavar speaking into his existence, I don't know. But they're gonna give up. What they gotta do because they're not do they're not missing out like they did with Kawhi and Paul George. Magic is not that patient. Palinka not that patient. They're gonna say if we don't do this now, he's not gonna come here because he'll be in Boston, and that's the worst thing for the Lakers. And then come free agency, who are the Lakers gonna get? Huh? Like who who's out there? I don't think Clay's going there. Maybe Boogie is that who LeBron wants next to him? I don't Kawhi. know. I don't think Kawhi wants to play next to LeBron personally. That's just my gut. Like I think I think Kawhi said, "I beat you before, brother. I don't need to, I don't need to play with you, bro. I don't yeah. I don't need to be a, I don't need to be a part of your little crew. I'm not a, I'm not a clutch client. I'll go to I'll go to the Clippers so no one talks about me as much. I still beat you." Yeah. True. 
You move across town and just be completely anonymous. Right. That's the beautiful thing about the Clippers. <laughs> and, and L.A. And LA. I, think th- I, I, I think that would be the most exciting thing, is to have Anthony Davis on, on the same team as uh, as LeBron James in the Western Conference. And then you think about that top-end talent. You know, if LeBron, you know, if LeBron's giving the Warriors a run for their money when it's just him and Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, and then just just like whoever, like the NBA cast-offs, like him and Anthony Davis, that serious top-end talent, I think that would just be that would be the most fun for me because the, the Celtics, if they don't do anything, they're still going to grow and gradually just become better and better. Um, but man, if, if the if they don't if the Celtics don't get Anthony Davis, that means they didn't get Paul George, they didn't the get Lakers. Jimmy Butler, they the, didn't get Kawhi Leonard. The Lakers and then or the they Celtics? won't get Anthony both Davis. Excuse me. The Lakers or the Celtics? The Celtics. Okay. Well, I guess both of them, really. Both of them. I know. This is like a serious crossroads for both of these franchises. But but you, you think about all the assets that, that the Celtics have acquired and all the trades that they've been linked to and like how they've had the best possible package to give to all these teams. If they don't get this deal done with, with the Pelicans, like Danny Ainge, like I, I, for, for, all the, for all the praise he gets, and we've given him plenty on this particular show, if he, if he does not make something happen here, it, 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 it'll be really bizarre to think about the trajectory that they've been on and the assets they've acquired and, and really they've turned it into a lot of young talent that could pan out one day, but they haven't been able to flip it into anything real right now, which it would be shocking to me. For sure. I mean, they might just keep making conference championships and with a chance to make it to the finals. I guess that's the that's the floor for the Celtics. Pieces, yeah. pieces of crap. I'm sick of them. Anyways, the Sports <laughs> Block New York podcast. I don't actually hate the Celtics, but maybe maybe Danny Ainge just a little bit. Uh, mostly out of jealousy, but that's okay. Sports Block New York podcast. My name is Pete Kennedy. John Lucas Duffy been with me for this hour or so. Duff, any last words to the SBNY listeners? Uh, Luka Doncic had a 35-point triple-double over the weekend. Um and I think we all sh- collectively need to start adding the accents to the C's on his name and literally just putting all the respect on his name possible. Lu- Luca Doncic. Doncic. A baby goat. Baby goat. He's a sacred baby goat. Like, he is, like... Second second best white player in the NBA already. This guy is so good at basketball, Duff. It's crazy. Like, he is, like... LeBron James, when he started, I'm not saying that, like, I'm not comparing the two, but I am also. LeBron James started with the Cavs. He was number one pick, and the, the Cavs never had another top five pick. Now, granted, they didn't make the playoffs his rookie year, and the Mavs might or might not, probably not, but they have a chance to make the playoffs. But the the Mavs are not getting another top five pick because Luka Doncic is so good that he has changed the trajectory of their franchise. Now, granted, they were buyers with people like DeAndre Jordan, they pay Harrison Barnes, they pay Wesley Matthews. I get it. But without Doncic right now, this team is much more ingrained in the lottery because he's been that good. It's really incredible. You f- you flip that trade and you, you make it just like Trey Young. He stays on the uh, the, Hawks. the Mavericks. Okay, but Trey Young's on the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. They're like a bottom five team. Easily, yeah. Well, I don't. I don't like the think the rest is roster. I don't, I don't think the Mavs take Trey Young, but nonetheless, any, any other player, any other, any other rookie, player. yeah, any other rookie that wasn't any picked one or two or four, I guess. Right? Any I, other no, rookie? I think any other player in the draft, and the Mavericks yeah. are a bottom five team. Yeah, 
it's 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 really incredible and i mean it's it you know what's the most <laughs> incredible thing is that like we're sitting here like just a few assholes on their laptops and we're just watching stuff we're like okay yeah luke is the best player and then he goes he goes third and then gets traded back to fifth and our heads just want to explode and then we see stuff like this it's just like it's like we're we're like questioning like the pelicans and what do they do and blah 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 it's like dude there's so many dumb decisions every year in the nba and all these fans get mad at other teams for like always being good or getting the talent it's like the, the great inefficiency is just like having a brain it's yeah, like it's like sure. <laughs> from, from like a general manager standpoint like you, you see the teams it's the same teams collecting all of this talent whether it's the lakers the celtics the sixers the warriors like it's it it just tells you something about those organizations to like top to bottom how they can just continuously make those right decisions it's true and i'm not saying bngm is easy but god damn it did you and i know that luka Doncic was going to be the, like yeah we, but you like, know, like thought, god damn thought... it are some decisions easy like there's a couple <laughs> yeah, you can true. always point to and just be like what the fuck it's so true and also you know we didn't think Doncic was going to be this good but you and i were undoubtedly saying that he was going to be the best player in the draft for like a long time mm-hmm. <laughs> like the entire time basically yep so it really makes you think sometimes stuff but we anyways, thought he was going to be like 15 5 and 5 he's 21 six and a half six and a half like he we thought he was gonna have a great season he's having like an unbelievable like all-star caliber season if he if this was like his second year instead of his first definitely in the all-star mix like like what james harden if he was in the eastern conference he's like no doubt like no doubt all-star i'll leave you with this analogy and i think it should be a good one what james harden has been to the rest of the league luka Doncic has been to rookies like so much better that it's not even debatable. Yep. And it's not close. Texas basketball, baby. That's it. Texas and the Spurs, man. The Spurs have been rolling too. We don't even talk about them. Obviously, they're the Spurs, but they've been rolling. Keep an eye out. Anyways, John Lucas Duffy, I'm Pete Kennedy. Thank y'all for listening. Sports blog, New York podcast. If you like it, come back and listen. Don't forget a little rating, a little review. iTunes have a podcast app because we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to listen to what we have to say. For John Lucas Duffy, I'm Pete Kennedy. Have a great one.